0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Be Shave Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, coming to you this evening, Monday, March 28th, with some big Cardinals news. Huh? Everybody knows by now the man himself, the machine number five, Albert Pujols, is back. Back with the St. Louis Cardinals, signing a one year, $2.5 million contract. The news breaking late Sunday night and officially getting announced on Monday with a press conference down in Jupiter, Florida. Albert Pujols reintroduced to Cardinals fans. I love the way, too, that he arrived in spring training down in Jupiter in the middle of the game. And so what does he do? He walks right into the dugout. He comes in from the opening in the right field wall between innings and walks right in. Joins the team in full uniform before even getting announced officially. The cat was out of the bag by then. You'd seen maybe Harrison Bader's Instagram post with a photo of Albert Pujol's number five jersey with the eyes emojis. And the reports had circulated already that the Cardinals and Pujols would reunite for the 2022 season. And Albert said during the press conference it will be his final season said he might get the itch to play some winter ball after the fact, but uh, this should be the final uniform that he wears in Major League Baseball. That is his expectation, and honestly, that is the way that it should be. Isn't it nice when you get a storybook ending? And we'll talk about whether Albert Pujols with the Cardinals in 2022 actually ends up with that storybook kind of ending, because I know there's a lot of people out there who are wondering if this is the right idea, if this is the right thing for the Cardinals, if it's the right thing for Pujols, to do at this point in time. And you've got some varying opinions. I think by and large, people are excited. People in St. Louis, Cardinals fans who remember the Albert Pujols era in St. Louis, I think I think those people are pumped and excited to see one more season of Albert, of Yachty, of Waino, all these three guys together. Uh, of course, Albert and Yachty both announcing already that 22 would be their final season. Wainwright's not ready to go into details on that just yet. He'll take it one year at a time and make that decision following the season. But it's just so cool to have those guys who were all teammates in 2006, teammates in the 2011 World Series, those two championships for the Cardinals, all back to try and make this happen one more time during their playing careers. And cool, too, that Skip Schumacher on the team as a coach who is part of both the 06 and the 2011 World Championship teams. And so the sentiment is obvious, right? The sentimental angle here to get Albert Pujols back, to allow him to finish his career where it all began, is pretty darn cool. And I'm a guy now, I'm 27 years old, I remember growing up in the St. Louis area, growing up following the Cardinals, I remember the Albert Pujols era, I remember how incredible of a player he was during those 11 seasons in St. Louis, and we also remember how it ended, how in 2011, following the World Series, Pujols decided to chase the bag. He went and got he went and got paid 10 years what was it 240 million dollars humongous contract with the Angels. Cardinals weren't willing to go so many years with Albert Pujols and I think their initial offer according to the the stories and the reports that have been told in the years since Cardinals initial offer Albert wasn't happy with. Wasn't thrilled with the idea that uh they didn't give him a longer-term contract offer. And from there, the relationship was strained, and, and the rest is history, right? He goes to Los Angeles and signs a contract with the Angels that, in all honesty, was a bad contract. I mean, you, you saw the way that it ended last season with the Angels cutting ties with Albert, paying in the rest of his guaranteed deal, but, but not getting production from him on the field. Several seasons in a row, he just wasn't a very productive player for them near the end look at the statistics. I mean, with the Cardinals, this guy was every year, year in, year out, OPS over a 1,000. I mean, he was unbelievable. From two, It's like looking at Barry Bonds' baseball reference page in a lot of ways to see what Albert Pujols did with the Cardinals. Wasn't an all-star in 2002, but 01, 03, 04, 05, 06, 07, 08, 09, 10. All-stars all those seasons. The baseball reference page is littered with bold and italic figures to indicate that he was the best in the league. In an 01, 03, 04, 05, 06, 2008, 2009, 2010, he had an OPS above 1,000. That's MVP caliber stuff, year in, year out, and he was in the top three for that award something like six or seven times, won it a number of times, finished second a number of times. Albert Pujols, Was the man. He was incredible. And then you look at his numbers with Los Angeles, with the Angels, and they weren't quite the same, right? He never did live up to those prime early years for the remainder of his career. OPS begins to drop. You're in the 700s. And some years you're in the 600s. And it just wasn't the same. And so Cardinals fans didn't have to witness that decline, but they are going to witness the player that he is now. In 2022 and what will that do for the legacy of albert pujols you know time will tell but if if you're seeing what i'm seeing and, and and maybe what the cardinals are seeing i think there is a path toward albert not only being a sentimental addition to the cardinals this season where you've got all the storylines that'll surround that but you've got a guy first of all in the clubhouse a wealth of experience nobody's going to argue with uh, the wisdom i think and, and just the competitive nature that he'll bring to this roster into this Cardinals team in 2022, a team that's looking to to chase a world championship. But let's talk about on the field, because I think that's where this has the potential to get the most uncomfortable. Because again, Albert's not the player that he once was. We know how great he was back when he was in St. Louis the first time. But he hasn't been that guy at all since. He hasn't had a single season of a 900 OPS since leaving St. Louis. He was 906 in 2011, and that was really... That 2011 season where the Cardinals did win the World Series, that was a precipitous decline already for Albert Pujols compared to what he had done previously. This is his first year of his career, he didn't reach 100 RBIs, had 99, had 37 home runs, so that wasn't too too far outside the bounce. But he hit 299, first year of his career, he didn't hit 300. The on-base percentage was a career low to that point. Slugging percentage, career low to that point. And I think the Cardinals saw that and they said, we cannot give this guy a 10-year contract. I don't think they even offered him really an eight-year contract. I think five was the initial offer, if memory serves correctly, as to the way those negotiations went between the Cardinals and Albert. And the Cardinals made a business decision. And they said, we cannot do that. We will hamstring our organization. We do not feel like that's going to be a, a fruitful contract. And it wasn't. That doesn't mean the bitterness is eased in any way, but... The reality is it wouldn't have been a very smart move for the Cardinals to sign him to that kind of deal. And so they reluctantly had to say, all right, go do your thing in Los Angeles. And he did. We know how it ended. And now he's back. And so what can he do now? Now that he's here, what can Albert Pujols provide on the field? Well, we talked about a number of years in Los Angeles as just not a very productive player. No 900 OPSs. In 2012, his first year with the Angels was his best year by far with Los Angeles. 859 OPS, 30 homers, 105 RBIs. Still hit 285. Slugging percentage over 500. In the years since, he hasn't had a single year with that 285 average. Looks like 272 in 2014 was his best. No 500 OPSs to speak of. So we're talking a precipitous decline. But this past season, After he left the Angels, he signed with the Dodgers. He was actually a pretty productive player, especially against left-handed pitching. Overall, here here were Albert's numbers last year. And I want to give it to you in terms of with Los Angeles Angels and then with Los Angeles Dodgers because it was kind of like night and day. And again, with the Angels, he played just 24 games, 92 uh, plate appearances, wasn't getting a whole lot of opportunities and I think he could kind of sense that he had maybe overstayed his welcome. He was making all this money, but at that point, you had Otani, the star of the show, Mike Trout, who who had some injuries, but I think early in the season he was still going. And Albert was just kind of clogging up the roster. Jared Walsh was emerging as a, a really good first baseman guy that they that they wanted to play and give playing time to Joe Madden, the manager out there in LA. And so Albert's numbers were 198 batting average, 250 on base and a 372 slug for a 622 OPS, by far the worst of his career. I shouldn't say by far. 2020, the shortened season due to COVID, he had a 665 OPS. 2017 he was 672, but but a 622 would have would have been the worst of his career. I mean, that's that's Matt Carpenter in recent years territory. And Cardinals fans weren't fond of the way he performed toward the end so okay he goes to the Dodgers he makes that decision he still wants to play the Dodgers say hey we've got a spot for you and the Dodgers are one of the most if not the most forward-thinking organizations in baseball today what they've done in terms of managing their pitching to a great deal of success being able to manage their position players you know they had Chris Taylor arguably maybe their ninth or tenth best position player on the team last year Guy that hit the game-winning home run off of Alex Reyes in the playoffs in the wild card game, and Chris Taylor is just a really sturdy, solid baseball player all the way around. Guy you'd love to have on your team. He's like your ninth or tenth best position player. And they bring in Albert Pujols nevertheless because they said we've got a role that he can fill. And so with the Dodgers, here's here's Albert's numbers again: six twenty-two OPS before he moved over to the Dodgers. With the Dodgers, hit two fifty-four. 299 on base, which still isn't great, but it's improved from where he was. 460 slugging percentage, however, is noteworthy. He didn't have a 460 slug in any given season since 2015 when he was an all-star. His one all-star season with Los Angeles. Got off to a really good start that year. 460 slug last year, and that's only talking about his time with the Dodgers. 204 plate appearances. 460 slug, and, and that was good for a 759 ops which again that's not vintage albert but a 759 ops he, he didn't match that in any given season since 2016 when he had a 780 ops and again ops is on base percentage plus slugging percentage it's it's a pretty basic stat but it's one that i like a lot it's it's much more valuable than for those who, who kind of grew up around batting average being uh the primary offensive stat the game has moved away from that and there's a, a lot more you know, value to be found with on-base percentage. But you want to know about power too, slugging percentage. So it's a pretty rudimentary stat where you just add the two together. There are different ways to get in a little bit deeper even than that. One of those ways being OPS+, which, which if you look at baseball reference, that's uh, the statistic you'll see referenced on that website. On fan graphs, you'll see weighted runs created plus. They're very similar in that they take the value of a player offensively and they try to compare that to league average 100 being right smack dab in the middle, your average compared to the rest of the league, anything above a hundred each number that you're above hundred, it's a percentage that you're better than the league average. So if you're one twenty for an OPS plus, that would mean you're 20% better than league average at, at your given position. Same thing. If you're below 180, for instance, would be, would mean you're 20% below league average. Albert, Over the course of time, from 2017 to his stint with the the Angels in 2021, he was well below 100. 80, 91, 92, 79, 91, 67. And then with the Dodgers, though, if you're just isolating with the Dodgers last season, 101. So he was actually narrowly above league average in what he did during his time with the Dodgers. It's kind of crazy. Because, again, he had been on this precipitous decline and then did find a little bit of something during his time with the Dodgers. And so the the natural question is, well, what happened? Why did suddenly things get so much better for Albert Pujols during that portion of his season? And I had to dig a little bit to find the answer to see whether it backed up my hypothesis. Because my hypothesis in looking at his season totals is that the Dodgers took him and said, hey, here's what we think you can do to thrive, and that's face left-handed pitching, primarily. And I don't know whether the Dodgers had anyone on staff or coaching or whatever that told Albert Pujols, greatest right-handed hitter of his generation, hey, here's what you need to do to be more successful against left-handed pitching. I don't know if that's what happened or if it was just a factor of, hey, we think that you can thrive in particular against lefties and that's the role we see for you. So that's what we want to try to, to to put you in position to do with this year and maybe that was enough or maybe you know there was a conversation about hey we think if you exploit ABC or D a little bit more heavily, you know and so maybe the, the Dodgers actually coaching or whatever the case could have made a change to say, hey Albert, here's what we think you know you could take advantage of. And maybe it worked, or maybe he just did it on its own, uh, on his own. Once he ends up facing primarily left-handed pitching, because that's who he crushed last season. And turns out, with the Angels, he had about sixty some odd plate appearances against righties, where he was terrible, and just twenty some odd plate appearances against lefties. The rest of his plate appearances came against, uh, or against lefties, I should say the majority of them came once he joined the Dodgers. And it seemed to have been, and I thought that might have been the case, but I wanted to make sure, and Fangraphs was able to to give me the splits tool that I needed to break it down. Against left-handed pitching, with the Dodgers, he got 118 plate appearances. With the Dodgers, only 86 plate appearances against righty. So he actually saw more lefty plate appearances, plate appearances against lefties with the Dodgers than he did plate appearances against righties and righties are much more prominent. And so to be able to, to break it down that way, the Dodgers had to have a pretty specific intent laden plan to say, Albert's going to face lefties. He's not going to face righties if we can avoid it. And I think the reason he got even the 86 plate appearances against righties that he did with the Dodgers, was because he had injuries like Bellinger, some other guys at first base were injured, and so Albert did end up playing some first base when he first got there, I think, uh, just out of necessity. So he did face some righties in those games, 86 plate appearances worth after joining the Dodgers. But again, 118 against lefties. That's 32 additional plate appearances, if I'm doing some quick math here, against lefties, and those are much more difficult to find. So the Dodgers clearly had a plan to say Albert's going to face lefties and that's it. What did Albert do against those lefties? He hit 303. He had a 347 on base and a 606 slug against lefties after joining the Dodgers, an OPS of 953, which is actually even a little bit better than he did for the entire season. So he was a little more effective against lefties. Again, these are pretty small sample sizes, so we don't want to read too far into splitting his work against lefties between the Angels and the Dodgers. But he was better against lefties with the Dodgers than he even was at the beginning of the season when he faced lefties a few times with the Angels. And this is not necessarily true. This uh, splitsville nature of Albert Pujols is not necessarily something that has been the case throughout his entire career. He has not, throughout his career, been an overly splitty kind of hitter to where it made a big difference whether he was against left-handed pitching or right-handed pitching. He is better over the course of his career against left-handed pitching than he is right-handed. But that's kind of to be expected based on being a right-handed hitter. Generally, you're going to be a little bit better against the opposite side of whatever you happen to be. In Albert's case, over the course of his career, that's a 947 OPS against lefties, 909 against righties. So again, not a drastic difference. He's a Hall of Famer either way, right? Even if he had his whole career against one or the other. That's that's pretty tremendous numbers. 492 career homers against righties, 187 against lefties. But this 2021 performance, I think, might have opened the eyes to the Cardinals to say. Maybe this is a guy that we could use, whereas they didn't see it that way previously, right? They had the opportunity last summer to sign him when the Dodgers did. They could have had him then. Cardinals didn't feel at the time that that was something they wanted to do. And then he went on with the Dodgers to be even more effective against left-handed pitching. And then you have the lockout, and you have the universal DH added, so the designated hitter in the National League. And you have this short run-up of spring training prior to opening day next Thursday, and suddenly you go, hmm, looking at the way this roster breaks down, we've got guys like Corey Dickerson, Lars Newtbar, left-handed bats that could serve as the DH against righties, or they could be lefties off of our bench. We've got Emundo Sosa, who's going to be a utility infielder that can play all three positions, third base, shortstop, second base. He can do so well. He's a good defender, and he's a right-handed bat that we'll be able to plug in at times if we need to. And then we've got a backup catcher, Andrew Kisner, and then we've got one more spot available and that spot based on what what else you have on the bench ideally that spot would be a right-handed hitter who hits well against left-handed pitch. well okay that's what Albert Pujols was to a T in 2021 so much so that the Dodgers who are are on the cutting edge of managing platoon situations getting the most out of the talent that they have on their roster and and using the manager and the front office to to send that message and and, and put that out so the product on the field is as good as it can be. They looked and they said, okay, Albert Pujols, maybe last summer it wasn't the right time. But you look now, things have changed. The DH, and we're looking at this, you know, we're looking down the barrel of this last bench spot. And a guy that does what Albert Pujols did for the Dodgers in 2021 would sure fit in nicely with, with the versatility from an offensive angle that we're looking to have with this roster. And I think the Cardinals said, well, it's a no brainer. If Albert wants to be back, we want him back. Let's make it happen. Two and a half million is nothing. You know, you weren't gonna pay him the major league minimum. They were gonna have to give him a couple mil, whether he's fully worth that or not, and the, the nerds will come out and tell me, Well, the war and the I, I, I... honestly this is the way it went down on, on Sunday night. I didn't even see the news break when it happened because I sent the Will Smith slapping Chris Rock meme. I made that into a uh, Cardinals-related post where I posted over Will Smith and said the Cardinals should sign Pujols, and then over Chris Rock, the one getting slapped. But the median zip warp C plus projection for Pujols says dot dot dot. My point was, the nerds, and I, I say this affectionately, those who are looking into the projections of what the different models say. Albert Pujols is, is good for for 2022 are going to say that that's probably lesser than Juan Yapez. It's lesser than you could get from somebody else in the organization if you gave those at-bats to a younger player who's got a little more upside for the future. And my point was, I don't care. The, the rumors were flowing that Albert Pujols could be coming back to St. Louis. Cardinals, you got to get it done. That was my mindset. So I sent that around a little after 11 p.m. Central Time on Sunday night, and I said, good night, Twitter. I was going to bed. And about three or four minutes later, <laughs> that's when the news broke. So I woke up to it this morning that Albert Pujols was indeed coming back to the Cardinals. And I've definitely seen though reactions of, yeah, this is a you know not a not a sensible move. It's all about sentiment and it's not about on-field production. And it's like eighty-five percent about sentiment. Like believe me, if if this if the guy with this kind of skill set weren't Albert Pujols and weren't the franchise icon that he is you're probably not bringing that guy back to fill a bench spot this year. You know, that you, you don't end up doing this move for a Joe Schmo with Albert Pujols' stat line from 2021. You go with somebody else. You go with an internal option. So I do recognize that, yeah, I mean, the sentiment behind it is why it's Albert Pujols coming back. However, I do think the value to the clubhouse is something that does bear mention. It's worth bringing up. I don't want to overplay it because, you know, in in the era of war, of wins above replacement, how many wins is that going to turn into? The presence of Pujols, I don't know. But it can't hurt. It can't hurt to have that winning mentality and, and have that kind of coalescing with what you get in Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. I think it's got to be viewed as a positive. On the field, I do think there's room for him to repeat what he did last year with the Dodgers. As long as the Cardinals, in and, and again, bringing in Ali Marmol to replace Mike shield who was maybe a little too old school for John Moselock's liking, and they had those philosophical differences, maybe Ali Marmol is the manager to where it's, hey, we, we told Albert what it's going to look like, and it's going to look like him facing a lot of lefties to see if he can't replicate the success he had against lefties last year. Because he hit 180-something against righties last year. He was not good against right-handed pitching. you got to maximize what you have on this roster. And I think in Corey Dickerson, who is a guy who has been pretty good generally against right-handed pitching and Lars Newbar, who's a lefty bat that you can expect to kind of be the same. I think those guys should probably be your designated hitter candidates for the most part against right-handed pitching against lefties though. I have no problem with Albert being in every single time and having him be the first guy off the bench when a lefty pitcher is in the game late. If you're looking to uh, substitute a little offense for defense, and again, when there's no pitcher to to pinch hit for, it's going to look a little bit different. It, it may not come up as often as it did. But I think you'd be surprised. The Cardinals are going to look at the platoon splits, they're going to look at the metrics, and they're going to be aggressive in using their bench in that way. That can mean Paul DeYoung gets pinch hit for by Albert Pujols late in the game. Edmundo Sosa comes in to play defense. You don't miss a beat. It could mean Tommy Edmond potentially being pinch hit for, although he's a switch hitter, and so depending on how his season's going, that may not end up being the case. But you you kind of get my point. There are going to be opportunities, I think, for Albert to be used in games in certain situational spots against lefties in particular. And again, is it a small sample that we're basing this off of in 2021? It is. Is there an argument to be made potentially, though, that Albert kind of found his stroke a little bit in particular against lefties and can have success again in 2022 against those particular styles of pitching I think it's possible I know that it's it's kind of a one-year sample that we're looking at and, and that's not generally the way you want to go about it but there have been other years in the past where he's been better against lefties for his career he's been better against lefties not by again not by a gigantic margin but a decent chunk and I think going into this season it's hard to just completely ignore how outlandishly good he was against lefties last year even in a small sample because it was almost back to, to what he does as a vintage Albert Pujols guy. You know, it's higher than his OPS for his career, the numbers he put up last year against lefties alone. So I recognize that it's not a slam dunk, that if, if you are looking at it strictly through an analytical view, you could see the holes in the argument that, yep, Albert was this against lefties last year, so he'll be that again against lefties this year. It may not end up being the case. But I don't think that you had anybody beating down the door for that spot that you could tell me with, with any degree of certainty would have been any better. I think Juan Yepez is a solid player. I'm rooting for the kid to have a nice big league career. That'd be great. That'd be a great story. I don't think that you can convince me that Juan Yepez would come in and, and with Albert Pujols at bats, whatever he ends up getting. that You could convince me that he would end up being any more productive than Albert will. And if it's even close... Yeah, I, I do ride on the side of sentimentality where I'd rather see Albert Pujols even if he's a little lesser in those at-bats. Even if you would project it that way, I would say, yeah, I don't know. Give Albert, give Albert a shot. I'd like to see what he can do. I'd like to see. I, I, prove, prove it to me. Go ahead and show me. And it's unfortunate for Yepes because it does probably cost him a good shot at a roster spot. But he may not have gotten it anyway. Again, short spring training. They've given him at-bats. He hasn't really done a ton with it, although he did hit a double, I believe, uh, after the Pujols news came out. So he's a guy who you still may see in 2021. Or, pardon me, 2022. You probably will see Juan Yepes at some point. Injuries happen. Attrition happens. You're going to need everybody in the organization to to build a World Series contender, as the Cardinals want to do. And so Yepes will have a role. But, I mean, if you're sitting here spending time talking about wanting Juan, Juan or any of those other guys over Albert Pujols, you and I are just going to have to agree to disagree. I just don't see it that way. I'm pumped to see Albert back in St. Louis, to see what that will mean to the fans. And, again, I don't think it's a a Sophie's choice of you got to have a winning team. You can pick that or you can pick sentimentality where you get Albert Pujols and you get a year of standing ovations. Pick. I don't think it's got to be that because I think there is a role that he can serve on this team. They shouldn't get out of hand with his playing time. They shouldn't play him against right handed pitching outside of opening day. I don't care what kind of pitcher's on the mound opening day. Albert starts, period, the end. No further discussion necessary. If you disagree, you're a nerd. But after that, yeah, I'll agree that you should be pretty severely limiting his playing time against right handed pitching unless for whatever reason you, you see a renaissance occurring and you want to ride the hot hand while, while that hot hand is Albert, go for it. You've got my blessing. Otherwise, I want to see him mostly against lefties. I want to see a pretty regimented way that Ali Marmal is going to handle the platoon splits. Show us that you're forward thinking. Show us that you know there's a plan in place for how to, to get the most out of the players you have. I'm very encouraged, and I think that that could end up being what they do this year. All that being said, I think it's awesome that Albert Pujols is back. I'm hopeful that it doesn't turn into kind of a Matt Carpenter situation like it was last year where fans were not excited to see him in the lineup when he was. You just could tell that he didn't have anything left. Again, he's re- remade his swing this offseason. He's going to the Texas Rangers, going to try to revitalize his career. But what he was with the Cardinals, you know, we we could all just tell that it wasn't working. And so that was kind of hard to watch. And Matt Carpenter was a guy who was a fan favorite back in the day and was a very productive player, a Cardinals legend. I would even go as far as to call him that. But people obviously soured on him over the last couple of years because of the decline. Well, how long is this honeymoon phase going to last with Albert? Fans have not seen up close and personal how much he has struggled in recent years, last five or so years. I mean, there have been some some rough years offensively for Albert. One thing I will say... And this will be something I think Cardinals fans can appreciate. Uh, He is still a guy that does not strike out. Like, Albert Pujols, to this day, doesn't strike out. Back with the Cardinals, it was really hard to put him away on strikes. He never did have a 100-strikeout season in St. Louis. Uh, The most he actually ever struck out was as a rookie, 93 times. And from there, he got even more disciplined. He got even better at just... It just wouldn't happen. 93 was the most, it looks like 76 in 2010 was the second most case Albert had with the Cardinals in a given season. Well, guess what? That streak lives. He still, in his career, has not had 100 strikeouts in a given season. 93 he had in 2017 with the Angels. Uh, no other season was he even close to striking out 100 times. That is a, a really remarkable achievement, especially in the era that he has played And and as he has declined as a hitter, the batting average has dropped. The power has declined. It's all gone downhill. But the man still doesn't strike out. I think that is remarkable in this era where we don't blink at a guy striking out 150-plus times in a season. That's not even notable anymore at this point in time in baseball. Albert still doesn't K. Now he does ground into quite a few double plays. um, And he did that with the Cardinals. 2007-2011, he led the league. And uh, he's still actually. It looks like he is the all-time career record leader in Major League history in double plays grounded into. According to his Baseball Reference page, as I'm looking this over right now, that's kind of kind of funny. But I mean, it makes sense because he's not a guy with speed, and he puts the ball in play a ton, and sometimes that can be to the detriment of your your GIDP stat. Because if you're not striking out, the ball's going to go somewhere. And so that's kind of crazy, Albert Pujols. It says, gold career totals indicate all-time record. Well, that's Albert. 413 career grounded into double plays. He'll do that. Cardinals fans will huff and puff. But you know what? They do it when Yachty grounds into him. And and Yachty does it often enough, too. So it'll be what it is. It'll be what it is from that perspective. But the one other aspect I wanted to speak to when it comes to Albert Pujols before I wrap up this episode of b Shave Daily is the home runs. The career home run mark for Albert sits right now as we enter the 2022 campaign, which he has said will be his last. He's at 679. So 700 is technically within striking distance. Now he had 17 home runs last season in a total of 296 plate appearances. Let's assume he gets around another 296 plate appearances in 2022, which I don't know where I'd set the over under, but if I put it there, I might have to take the over just because I think you're going to see him more against righties than maybe they probably should. And credit to Ali Marmol almost if it if it doesn't go that way. But at the same time, I'm like, it's Albert's last year. I I don't care about much else. Just let me see the man play. And so that's going to be a challenge for, you know, a Cardinals team that, you know, when when – when you talk about when Albert was was here and the team would go on the road and you've got a star of that caliber, this is something that I've heard Derek Gould bring up a lot when he'll ask questions of the manager, whoever the manager might be, or the, or the executives. He's asked this question where it's, is there a responsibility to go on the road? You're going to Seattle, for instance, and you're the Cardinals, and you play Albert Pujols and the fans there in Seattle may not get a chance to see Albert again if you don't play him in that series and play him all the games. Is there a responsibility to to baseball fans when you when you go when you go about it that from that perspective that like hey, Albert's got to be in the lineup because there might be a kid there that that's his only chance to see him and then he, if he's not in the lineup he doesn't get to see him. You know? That's kind of a perspective that's that's a spring training question too where it's like you don't know who's going to be at a spring training game and maybe that's their one chance to get to see a guy and you don't play all your starters because that day you decide they got a rest. And is that part of the plan for a manager? And in modern baseball, it probably can't be nearly as much as maybe it used to be. That's that, that that was like something, you know, Mark McGuire, you know, when you get those big kind of names back in the day and you want to get a chance as a fan to see those guys in action, is there a responsibility for those guys to be in the lineup almost because of it being an entertainment business, right? It's all about the competition and you want to win a World Series. But it's not like the NBA, right, with load management where guys, it's just expected that guys take off. Like, there's still a number of players, guys like Goldschmidt, guys like Arenado, they want to be in the lineup. And so it's almost kind of the inverse now with, with Albert Pujols in 2022. It's like, okay, might it cost your lineup some, you know, expected win chances you know win percentage whatever you want to calculate it out to be to have albert in there against righties instead of a guy who has better numbers against right-handed pitching at this point in his career maybe but also will the cardinals feel almost a responsibility to show albert as much as they can especially at home right like on the road you may not end up worrying about it as much but at home how many Cardinals fans are going to make their way to Bush stadium for one last chance to see Albert. And you maybe never know when that moment could be for that fan. That's going to be a really interesting thing to kind of see how they handle it. And that's why I think maybe you see Albert get to 300 plus plate appearances, uh, whether those, those stats against right-handed pitching uh, shows that he's deserving of really any plate appearances against righties. It'll be very interesting to see how they, they approach that. However, my point in bringing this up is what if albert gets into he runs into a few early in the season to where that 21 home run suddenly becomes maybe more attainable than it feels like right now i'm sure that's a goal that's in his mind but he's got to know in signing this contract with the cardinals i'm sure they said hey look you're you know and he said in the press conference today i'll i'll be ready for wherever i'm asked to to contribute whether that's in the starting lineup as a dh whether that's Late game as a pinch hitter, whether that's just cheering on my team from the dugout and helping out in any way I can, that's what I'm here to do. But in the back of his mind, he's got to know, man, 21 home runs, 700, that's a pretty big milestone. Not many guys have ever done that. And it looked for the longest time like Albert would would be a shoe-in for that number, but the decline hit him and it hit him hard. And so I'm just curious, if he runs into a few early in the season and he gets to to 12 or 14 by the All-Star break, you know, like... Really looking like he's he's tracking tracking for that twenty one to get him to seven hundred for the career. How much will that impact lineup decisions and how often we see him in there? I think it's gonna be fascinating to follow, not only early in the season, but especially later on in the year, as you start to talk about playoff implications and where the Cardinals are in the division race or the wild card race and, and what that ends up looking like. It's going to be really interesting to get into, but for right now, I am just pumped. I think it's great. I think the Cardinals did a smart thing, a savvy thing. Forget, and and people have you know different uh, different viewpoints of it, where they'll say you know they'll have the cynical viewpoint of well, this is just to sell tickets, whatever. I don't even care. Yeah, they're going to sell uh, they're going to sell a lot of tickets from the Albert Pujols move, but I think it's great. Uh, you know, young Cardinals fans now who who didn't know Albert didn't see his career they're not going to see vintage Albert Pujols in 2022 but I think the mystique of Albert the allure of this man of this player who meant so much to this this city I think it's really cool that he's going to finish his career here I don't have a cynical word to say about it to be honest with you so I'm pretty excited I want to know what you think let me know on Twitter at bschafer12 I think even depending on your app that you listen to B-Shape Daily, you can you can even leave some questions and comments about what you what you think on the, the most recent episode. I think Spotify does that. Not sure about Apple. One thing I'd love to request, though, if you guys are loving the show, and as I get going here with Season 2 of B-Shape Daily, as I'm calling it, uh, did a little B-Shape Daily in 2020 is when we started it, but then COVID really killed the momentum for sure. 2021, we had a good season. I want this year to be bigger and better than ever, but I need your help to do it. I've had a a number of people leave reviews on on Apple Podcasts, and I would love if you love the show to see you leave a review, uh, or at least you don't even have to write something out, but just of the, you know, you give a five-star review or a four-star review, whatever you think it deserves, uh, I'd like it to be five. But whatever you think it earns, I'm the one asking for reviews so you could decide uh, what kind of review you want to give. But would appreciate getting more reviews on Apple Podcasts. Give more people a chance to see it. That's basically what that does is when you review, uh, more more people get a chance to to have it pop up in their feeds, and maybe they become B-Shape Daily listeners as well. If you know Cardinals fans in your life, turn them on to the podcast. I would love to get more people involved this year. Uh, so if you have any feedback on how I can improve or what you'd like to hear on B-Shape Daily in 2022, don't hesitate to reach out at bshaffer12 on Twitter. Shoot me a direct message; they're always open for your questions and comments. Or shoot a tweet at me, and I'll, I'll try to do my best to respond to that as well. If you're not a subscriber to B Shape Daily, I would encourage you to go ahead and become one. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts—all those locations are those where you can find B Shape Daily and uh, subscribe so that you don't ever miss an episode. We're going to be rock and rolling this season. They're calling it the Last Dance, right? Yachty, Albert, and Waino. And Wayno has very specifically said, hey, I'm not retiring. I'm not saying anything about the R-word just yet. But for the other two, it's true. And for the three of them, it'll be a magical ride. Uh, And and now the Cardinals' quest for that world championship begins. You know that there's going to be some hungry guys in that clubhouse that want to win this thing. It would mean a lot to do it in Yachty's last year. You got Wayno. You got Albert goldsmith arenado i mean goldie and arenado are like the next tier of just superstar players that kind of came in the next generation after albert and now these guys are all on the same team i don't think we understand the amount of veteran leadership that is on this cardinals roster at this point but they've got a chance to do something special i know there are areas of this roster that that need some tweaking and are are certainly less proven than others but i'm going to be fascinated to see how this plays out and we'll be talking about it all season right here on B-Shape Daily. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Peace.